We're doing this series, and if you have a Bible, would you turn with me to uh, the last chapter in John. John's Gospel, the last chapter. And um, we're going to continue this theme, as Ron said, about uh, the story, the greatest, the epicenter of the world's history, Easter, and how it works out. Just like the background, we haven't time to go into it all, but you remember, Jesus appears, he's risen from the dead, he appears in Galilee. He said he was going to go to Galilee, and he appears. He appears on the beach, and he tells the fishermen where to cast the net, and they catch this amazing catch of 153 fish. What does 153 mean? A lot of fish. And um, somebody counted them, so it's historic. And then they have barbecue. But the main thing is, on this, what we're doing this morning, is that Jesus wants to address Peter. So it's all focused on Jesus and Peter and you. So let's look at it. Uh, John 21, verse 15. When they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? Jesus said, he said yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Jesus, Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked him, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Well, that is the word of God. Just to pick up the back story. Now, I know this is very familiar to most of you, but let's just put it into context. Peter is sort of the, the leader of the gang. He's the... the, the the voluble one, the one who speaks first. He, he, he confessed that Jesus was the Christ. He, was, he got it, and he was a leader, a natural leader. And, um, but then Jesus said a few, a few days before now, he said, look, it's, you're going to be like a sheep. When the shepherd's taken, you're all going to be scattered. You're going to deny me. And Peter says, I will never deny you. I will never disown you. Peter said, Peter said, I will even die for you. I will lay down my life for you. 
Jesus said, before the cock crows in the morning, you will have denied me three times. And then, of course, then the story goes on. And um, Jesus is arrested in the garden. The disciples are scattered. But then through the night, through the evening, Peter walks back into old Jerusalem. And he's there in uh, a courtyard, let's say, and there's a, there's a charcoal fire, and uh, people are eating, uh, as they do at that time of night, at the end of the day, and, and some are warming their hands. And then a girl, a waitress, says to Jesus, you were with him? He said, no, I wasn't. I don't know what you're talking about. And then another girl comes and says, yeah, I saw you with him. And Peter he says, call down curses upon himself and denied it. I, I'll be damned if I'm with him. I don't know what you're talking about. And then somebody else says, yeah, you know the Galilee. You're from Galilee. Peter says, I don't know him. And then, then in, the, in the evening through the, through the city, there's a, a turmoil and a crowd comes. And a crowd comes and sure enough, there's uh, police, you know, so temple police, temple soldiers, military soldiers, uh, priests, and all the rest. And in the middle of it is Jesus. Blood running down his face from a crown of thorns. And, and, um, and by coincidence, in the, twi- in the sort of flickering lights of the lamps, Jesus saw Peter. And he said, he looked straight at Peter. And Peter saw Jesus. And that look, well, you could think forever about that look. He'll never forget that look, the compassion, the, the, the tenderness, the, the insight, the sadness, the sorrow. It was all in that, all in that look. And it's, it's as, as if Jesus knew everything that had happened. And Peter remembered, and, it, Peter, and then, it, then he was gone. The crowd was gone. And Peter remembered, and he said he went out and he wept bitterly. And of course, the next thing we know, Jesus is hanging on a cross. And, uh, but then we saw last week that Jesus is raised from the dead with a new body. His spirit has been re-embodied, and he's appeared to the disciples and to the women. And he appeared twice to Peter in 1 Corinthians. There's another appearance in 1 Corinthians five, uh, 3, I think it's. 15.3. So we don't know about that. But then, now, he says, go to Galilee. I'll meet you there. So here he is. But he wants to speak to Peter. And, and that's, but Peter feels a failure. He's blown it. There's this thing inside him. It's a huge burden to him. You know, he knows he's, he's, he's sick of himself. He's ashamed. Anyway, let's, let's pick up the story. You know, and um, he comes to him. And first thing, it's interesting, look what he says. Simon, son of God, son of, son of John, do you love me more than these? Look, first of all, look, look how he addresses him. Not Peter. He goes back to his old name. Simon, as it were, means the one who's flexible, the, the, the reed in the wind, the one that's always blown, unstable. He's back there. And without Jesus in your life, without Jesus in his life, he's, like, he's always going to be like that. But with Jesus in his life, he trusts Jesus, he becomes the rock again. There's something solid about him. But so Jesus deliberately is saying, 
Now, there's a relationship we have to reestablish. Something has gone wrong. And Jesus is aware of it. And he, um, he has to deal with it. And, and we have to deal with these things. You can't sweep them under the carpet. That's, that's why, you know, I, when we come to church, I always want to lock the doors and shut us into God. Let's hear God. Let God do his work. Pound us and deal with us. I want him to do that today with you and me. And um, he has to do it. It's, it's, I tell you a terrible thing. It's called decorating. You ever done it? <laughs> well, my friends who do it, so the key thing is preparation, you know. In other words, you know, most of us, just let's get the paint on, let's get it done. You know, you've got to sand back, cut back, you know, cut back, get rid of the rubbish and the grot, and fix that before you start tarting it up. And God has to deal with these things. God, because he knows that unless they're dealt with, they will fest and you will never live a full life. We're not sort of, you know, weird people who want to dig into people's past. We want you to be free. That's what it's about. We've no interest in, you know, any, any psychiatric chair and that's not, and not that stuff, you know. We're not in, that's a good profession, but that's not us. But we are interested in getting you free. And, um, and, and he comes to Simon. Look at the, let's look at the questions he asked him. Let's look at the questions he asked him. He said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? See, if he's be the true disciple, um, he has to allow God to deal with him. He's saying, do you love me more than these? This is the one thing he wants from us, not just naked faith. Well, I made a decision, didn't I? No, but what he wants from us is a relationship. Well, you know, wasn't that baptized? Didn't I had that funny experience with the Holy Spirit? I've had all those things, you know, I'm a member. No, no, he wants more than that. What he wants is today, the 3rd of April, a living relationship, that we love him. Do you love me? That's what we... That's what, it, that's what it's about. And um, you see, he wants to touch the center of our being, not just our mind or our will, but our affections, which is more than emotions. Because he knows that when he's got your heart, he has you, he has the decision-making part of you. So he, and he has that which is central to you. And um, he says, do you love me? Now he's not saying, well, if you love me, then I will love you. You know, if you come and worship me and praise me and do all that stuff, then I will love you. No, no, the love of God is not in question, my friends. He loves you. God demonstrates his love to you in this. While we're yet sinners, Christ, his son, died for us. His his love is not in question. You You never earn it. It's free. It's gratis. You must know that. And he says that. He just wants our heart. And um, he says, Simon, son of God, do you love me? I, I find this the hardest of all. Because I'll tell you why. The service of God becomes idolatrous. In other words, it's what I live for, the service of God, rather than the love of God. I'll tell you what I mean. For the last 50 years, I've served the church in different ways. And that became my salvation, my life. If the church was good, 
I'm doing well, growing, blessed. I was happy. And if it was bad, I was miserable. Because actually it became more important than God. And anything can... The church is wonderful, it's good. But when the good becomes the first, the ultimate, you're in trouble. Whatever it is. It may be missionary work. It may be helping charities. These are good things. It may be your children. You know, and you're happy if your children's got the right exams, doing well, and all that. But when their life falls apart, you fall apart. Because they're your salvation. You put your life into those people year after year. And then, look where they've turned out. Because actually, they, you made them an idol of God. Now, you know, we, we love them to bits. And we always will until we die. But they must never become prime in our life. It may be your career. You know, we, we work hard and we work in the city. We're going day after day. And, but our, fa- our, fam- our work becomes more important than God. And of course, we commit child sacrifice because our children go nowhere spiritually because we, they've never seen us. We don't slaughter in the temple. We just sacrifice them in other ways by neglect. But that's another story. But all I'm saying is, what he wants is, do you love me? Not church work, not preaching, not caring, not all these things which are wonderful and important and you'll have different ones. But I know you have to deal with them. Because all, one day they'll all go and that your treasure will go with them. No, he says, do you love me? Do you love me more than these? Now, he could be saying... Do you love me more than these disciples? You thought you were the leader spiritually. After that denial, you don't think that anymore, do you? No, you're right. He's more spiritual. He's, you know. Or he may be, again, he may be saying, do you love me more than the boats? You know, you were good at your career. You, you went straight back to your boats, didn't you? You were good at, you were good at fishing. You were a top, top man. It's just, it's just the question's out because the good things become idols so easily. And the great sin of our age is idolatry in different forms. And he says, do you love me? Do you love me? Now, there's a big debate, not debate, but preachers make a lot about Peter, not Peter, well, Peter, but certainly John here is, is using two different words for love, filio and agapeo. Well, the conversation originally is in Aramaic. And if you know John, he's, he's always using different words, you know, throwing around. So, well, I'm not going to make much of that this morning. I could do. The big thing is, do you love me more than all of these? Do you love me? That's what he's saying. Where's your heart? You know? And he, and he asked him three times. That's the painful thing. And it was three times he denied him. And do you truly love me more than these? Do you truly love me? Do you love me? And every time... Peter's sort of taken back to those denials. And now, but he makes these public affirmations of his love before, before Jesus. You see, until this has been done, we're not really ready to be followers of Jesus. You have to allow Jesus to deal with the, the, the failures and the grot in the past. And... Um, they have to be, it has to be addressed, the sin of the past. Not we're digging up muck, but it's got to be dealt with in one sense. It, and, and, and Peter, it, even if it hurts, 
See, don't waste your life. I can think of people who waste their life. Well, you don't know what I did. And I, I could give illustration of people I did. I've, and they live like Queen Victoria, live in mourning, in black, all their lives because of Albert when he died, his her husband died. And many Christians live in the past because of, well, you don't know what happened. I know it was terrible. But you have to deal with it. And I'm not being hard. Please hear me. For your sake, you have to deal with these things. And um, don't waste your life by refusing to face to your failures and sins. We don't. I'm not talking about public before people. You, you, may, you may have, you know, counselors who can who we can help you. You see, Jesus has two passions: the glory of his Father, the honor of his Father, and the blessing of his people. The blessing of his people. Let me just go over the story again. Just use this illustration. Here's a woman. She gets infatuated in the office. And she, she, it leads to a full sexual affair. Anyway, she, she knows it's wrong and she stops. She stops. And she, she's overwhelmed with guilt and remorse. And her husband has discovered all this. And she's driving home fearful of, well, of seeing him. She's prepared a speech of her apology and um, she's going to make to him. And she gets out of the car, she breathes heavily and she, she lets herself into the house. And there he is sitting in a chair by the, by the fire. In the, in, he's on his own, he's in the main room. And she goes up to him and she, she attempts to um, splutter out these, these words. And she says, um, but he, he cuts her short. He says, Mary... Do you love me more than him? Oh, yes, Jim. You know I love you. Then go and feed the kids. They're watching the TV. And um, they want this supper. Well, she starts to speak again some words of, 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 of regret. And he stops at, Mary, do you truly love me? Jim, you know I love you. Then go and take care of our little flock, right? Again, she says. And then again, he says, Mary, do you love me? And she was really hurt when he asked her a third time. Mary, (laughs) Jim, you know all things. You, You know everything. You know that I love you. You know that I love you. No one knows me like you. Well, he says, the kids are longing to see you. Go and look after them. And that's what Jesus does. He comes. And that's what he wants to know, whether, whether we, we, he loves us. And, she's thinking, and, and, and Peter's thinking, you know, does he love me? Does he love me? Well, he's died. He says, he's there. His hands have, have got holes in I did this for you. I did this for you. No, he didn't say that, but it's there. It's standing there. He's, he's, you see, Jesus didn't just die for the world. He died for people with names, your names, right? He paid the ultimate price. He's the good shepherd that laid down his life for the sheep. I saw uh, one of my interests, I 
was farming. I, I saw in this magazine this sheep, a tetzel top had been sold, eight months old, little lamb, had been sold for 231,000. I bet the farmer who sold that went home very happy. But think that for a little lamb, eight months, 231,000. Well, I tell you, Paul says, the Son of God loved me and gave himself for me. You are, not that you're worth it, don't think for a minute you're worth it, but he loves you in spite of that. He'd still love you. He died for you. He's loved for you. You're not worth it. We're worth hell and damnation and we get glory instead. (laughs) We get the Son of God dies for us. Peter, don't you see how much I love you? I love you. You know, and, and I said, well, we called in the Bible and, and to be shepherds of the, of the church which God has bought with his own blood. And uh, Now, I know I could do a talk on the role of the pastor, but this applies to all of us. It's not just a few leaders. It's, we're all called to this. We're all called to this. He says to Peter, feed my lambs. Feed the young believers. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. Look after them. Look after them, he's saying. When the first thing Jesus does, if we listen to him, and the first thing a shepherd does every evening, certainly in in biblical times, he puts them in a pen, in a fold. Now, Jesus does that. Today, he puts you in a local church. Don't think you can wander around. Because if you're, in a, if, you're, if you're not in a local church, you won't grow as you should do. You'll be attacked by all manner of unbelief and wolves and all kinds of stuff. And you'll thrive if you're in a church like this. But if you're going to do your own and tramp around and see, you know, different places. No, no, Jesus in his love puts us in a fold, a, t- a, a pen to look after us. And... Um, because he wants, he loves you. And he says, Peter, look after the young Christians. Look after the sheep. Some, you know, some sheep have, I used to work with sheep. Some have broken mouths and some have, you know, half, and very few teeth left. And some are lame and some are, now look after them. Care for them. Feed them. Make sure they get fed. Feed them. You want to grow the flock? Feed them. That's what he says. And uh, I, I mean, Peter, you can't doubt it. But uh, is he able? Is he able to look after you? You know, your problems. He says to Peter, well, he's not said to Peter, Peter, look at me. Here I am. I have defeated the greatest enemy that this world has ever known, death. I have, it, has beaten every, it has beaten every human being before. They've all had to die eventually. I have cracked it. I have blazed a trail. I, this body is the prototype of the body you will have. All that stuff. I can deal with your temporal problems. I can get you free. I can set you on the road again. And he says that. And uh, I think just, you know, church, what he wants us to know is that, we are, that you're loved. I can't do this. Only the Holy Spirit can do this. But God's will is that you know that you are loved. You know, it's like when you fly in a, a plane. They have, these gas, they have a few ghastly words, but we won't go through them. But the steward says, if <laughs> the cabin pressure falls, <laughs> a mask will fall, an oxygen mask. Please apply it to yourself. 
before you apply it to your dependents. In other words, the kid's screaming, but unless you apply it to yourself, you'll be dead in 30 seconds or unconscious, I should say. Look after yourself before you do it to them. Now that's what he's saying. Know, know that you are loved. Know that. Know that I love you. Peter, I want you to know that. You're full of self-doubt now. And I say, I say this, and it's not an easy thing I've just said. We have to press on to know that we're loved. I'm not saying it's an easy thing. Only the Holy Spirit can do it. And we have to cry for that assurance. But his will is that we, we should know it, that we're loved, and we can leave this building knowing it. But can Peter believe it? I don't know. Can he believe it? The hands of Jesus are there. I think they show. And he's come. Uh, he's come to... That he, that he might know that. You know, and the Bible's full of second chances. You say, People say to me many times, well, you don't know how many times I've done this. I don't know, maybe, I don't know what you've done. You know, it may be pornography. It may be massive rows at home. It may be cheating at work. It may be... Swear, it may be just things you've... You don't know how many times I've done this. Well, I tell you what I'm saying. This is the place of a second chance and the third chance. The Bible is full of people who come a second time. You know, all the great people like Abraham, Jacob, David, Jonah. You know, I could spend... They're all second chances, at least. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. I love that. I love that word, <laughs> that sentence. It comes to you this morning. Jesus comes to people like me and you who have blown it again and again, and says, "I'm going to restore you. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to put you back on your feet." You know, I, one thing I really love, and I, I know it's confidential, this room. Is a full English breakfast. I really do. I just, you know, and it's very unhealthy, but it's wonderful. Occasionally, very occasionally. You know, all this healthy stuff's fine. But occasionally, a full English breakfast. I'll tell you what's better. A full Galilean breakfast. Where you get forgiven, you get reinstated, you get re-envisioned, you get recommissioned. It's all in Jesus wants to do for you today. And Jesus wants to make you again, again and again. To, re, to, to make you what he's created to be. I saw on uh, YouTube uh, the other day, uh, uh, you can watch it when you go home. It's called Land Philharmonic. It's very lovely. It's about this town, I think it's called Katura. It's a small town in Paraguay. It's on the edge of the capital city. Is the capital city Anuncio? And this, it's not like the... Tip at high heavens. This is vast, as big as the whole tip's bigger than Downley, you know. And it, and this this town of Couture, the whole community goes into this tip and recycles, saves the council job, <laughs> and they make things. Anyway, this is about somebody decided they would make these instruments, and so they, they, there's a carpenter who lives on the edge of the tip. So he's made the, these tops of the violins and tops of violas and cellos. and They're lovely. And he makes them out of um, pallets. You know, the thicker bits at the bottom of the pallet. Wooden pallet. And then he, he makes the, the basses and the cellos out of drums and, and, oil, and oil tins. Wonderful. 
And then the, the, the uh, flutes, whatever they are, and he, and he makes them out of pipes. And, well, they make them out of pipes, not just him. And out of nails and keys. Wonderful. Anyway, the, thing, the wonderful thing was, they've obviously taken it very seriously, and they've got something, they've learned classical music. So you put it on, and there's this small orchestra playing this amazing Mozart. It is wonderful. I love it. I play it, doesn't it? I think it's wonderful. I mean, it's probably not perfect. All you musicals aficionado would say, well, it's a bit tinny. But it sounds wonderful to me that you could get that rubbish and make something beautiful. And that's what God does. And Peter, what, Peter I'm going to make you sing something beautiful, play something beautiful. That's what it's about. You know, all I want you to do is care for my people. Look after my people. Now, just two things before I finish. And Peter, Jesus says this, because whatever it is, if nothing is, absolutely of honesty. He says, Peter, you're gonna be, your, your life is going to come to an end in crucifixion. That's, what the, that's a euphemism, what he's saying. For you're going to be crucified. And sure enough, Peter was. And the story is, if it's believed, when he came to be crucified, he said, I, I, can't, I can't do it the way my Lord was. I must be crucified upside down. Not worthy to be crucified as him, his way. And, I, and, and the Bible is very clear. God offers us life and freedom and joy and, and total fulfillment in, in their sense. But, he said, I'm sorry, you will be persecuted. You will have hardship. Some of you will have to say celibate. You will not, for various reasons, marry. You'll... Some of you will lose jobs because you stand for the faith. Some of you will lose friends. You know, some of you will be, you know, people are prejudiced against you, and so on and so forth. And the number of people have died this week. Look at the stats for Christ. It's amazing in, in our world. And Jesus is incredibly honest. He says, this is what happened. And I think in many ways, Peter says, bring it on. And it's not, there's not bravado because actually he's in the smack in the will of God. And that brings peace and joy and fulfillment. And the other thing he says, Peter's, he's always another. Oh, by the way, he says, um, what about John? What about John? Well, I presume it's John, the one who leaned on Jesus' breast. If he, is he going to hang around for a long while? Jesus says, he stays until I return. What's that to you? Mind your own business. What I want to say is this, and it's very positive. And I say, God has, called, God has good works only you can do. Jen, be Jen. Ron, be Ron. Neil, be Neil. Trish, be Trish. I go through all of you. Be what God has called you to be. Don't try and be someone else. But they're very spiritual. I know God has called you to be what you are. I wish I was tall, dark, and handsome, and intelligent. I know all that rubbish. Be what you are. Peter, follow me. And that's God's word for you this morning. Yeah, I know. No, no nothing else, Peter. Just follow me. Follow me. Be what you are. It's a, and I want to say this. This is a new day. 3rd of April, it's a new day. I don't care, well, I do care, but I'm sorry about the stuff that's happened in the past, Peter, but it can all be dealt with this morning. That's why we're going to pray for people. Not because we, we, we've nothing else to do, but actually God's will is you, as you, you can release these things out of your mouth. You can be free from all this. 
And, 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 and God's will for every one of every believer in this room is that you are recommissioned this morning. That you're, you know, all of us are called to care for God's people. All are called to care for the little ones, not just the Sunday school teachers. All of us are called to pray. All of us are called to, call, to look after each other. If you want to grow the if you want to grow the church, feed the sheep. If you want to win the battle, feed the soldiers. And we're all committed to looking after each other, to encourage you. You can all encourage, right? We don't have to pay, do we? No. Because God's desire is out of a, a ragtag and bobtail lot like us. God will play something even more sweet than Mozart. You don't get much better than that. But that's his will. This is the day, my friends. Peter, forget the past. The anchor's been cut. You're free. Go and feed my sheep. Go and do what I've told you. Follow me. That's God's will. Follow me. And the people said, 